Hey guys, how's it going? This is the second episode of The Happy Singer. I'm really glad you're back again. This episode is really great because it's with two really cool women, Molly and Trisha. They're from the Lost Art of Communication podcast, and they are constantly posting out uh, episodes, and they're just really great for singers, speakers, humans alike. Uh, I think you're really going to like this one. Uh, When I recorded this, um, it was the first interview chat I had done. Um, I was still trying to figure out, you know, that I use this like website Zencaster to interview people. Um, and, you know, didn't really know what I was doing, but I got to say <laughs> they did a really great job. And again, I'm still figuring this out. Um, but all I know is that it's fun and we're all learning together. And I didn't want to wait until it was perfect because then I would be waiting forever, which is a really good learning Um learning advice for any singers, anybody that wants to learn anything, you kind of just have to be like, okay, this is not going to be, this is not going to be perfect. And this, I know, like, I know the recording here is not perfect yet. I still haven't figured out my microphone completely, still haven't figured out all this stuff, but, um, I am loving it. And I hope that you guys are liking the information. Um, so after this episode, you can go to our discussion page on Facebook and it's just the Happy Singer discussion group on Facebook. It's closed, so all you have to do is request to be a part of it, and then um, you will be in. I will accept you in. And basically, any questions you have, maybe for Trisha and Molly, maybe for me, um, maybe just a general speech question or confidence in singing, you name it, um, we can talk about it in there. And of course, you can go back and talk about songwriting. We just had our episode with Jenny Kern. So feel free to email me, uh, message me on there. You can follow me everywhere on Instagram. It's just Christy Bissell. And then, of course, on our on Podbean, it's just The Happy Singer. Anyway, find me there. And, of course, find The Lost Art of Communication. Uh, it's a great podcast. All right, guys, you ready for my conversation with Trisha and Molly? If you're not, too bad. I mean, you could stop this. Here's the chat. Enjoy. So Trisha is a speech coach and a speech pathologist. She's teaching public speaking, speaking voice enhancement, accent reduction, and traditional speech therapy. She works privately with clients, both online and in person. So like I said, she was working in New York City for four years at New York Vocal Coaching, but she's just moved to Savannah, Georgia, and she's loving the Southern lifestyle, which I'm super happy about. And she believes that there's nothing more important in life than our relationships, and there's no better way to strengthen connection than through communication. And Molly, who's in California right now, so she works solely with kids and young adults to help them develop their their social competencies so that they can better connect with others and build relationships. They sound like incredible people. I'm so thankful for what you guys do for everybody. And thank you. Of course. Thank you you for having us on the show and for the lovely introductions. Super excited to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So talk to us about what what brought you to want to make a podcast about this. So since Molly and I both do similar things in our jobs, we always inevitably end up talking to our, each other about our clients and about our own experiences, our personal experiences with friends, with relationships, with family. And since we were literally talking all the time about things that happened with communicating with other people, we were always saying like, oh my gosh, I wish so-and-so could hear this. 
And it just sort of organically happened that we decided to start a podcast just to basically broadcast our personal phone calls to the world because we thought people <laughs> could could use it. Yeah, and we were always, we've been long distance friends since college. So we talked regularly and we just caught up on each other's lives. And since like we both went to school for communication type things, like having that background just made our brains work at like needing to know and needing to analyze everything. So it just kind of worked out to have a podcast. Yeah. And I actually love it because it's, we're very adamant about speaking on the phone once a week to maintain our long distance friendship. Mm -hmm. But now that we have the podcast, we get to talk multiple times per week and it's built in. And so I highly encourage if you want to strengthen your connection with someone, do a project with them or something like this, where you are forced to talk to each other and we're both talking about something that we love and we get to give back some of our I don't want to say expertise because I don't know that it's always expertise, but some of our experiences to share with people to hopefully help people because these are things that we've both struggled with. And so it's nice to have an outlet to share them. I mean, that's super encouraging that you say you struggle with it too still, you know, and you guys are experts, you know, you both have, I mean, what's your education background? So we both have masters in speech language pathology. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an expert, I'd say. <laughs> so Molly, um, can you talk a little bit about um, how working with other people as opposed to just working by yourself on a project, could you possibly talk on that? Because I constantly have students where they feel very alone in their process of becoming an artist or singing, whatever have you, whatever the project is, they're very alone and isolated. I mean, either of you could speak on this, like, how do we get them to have that connection and to want to do it and to find that there is probably more success in numbers? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I work with kids and adults all the time on like working together in a group and just I have a lot of very, so I work with mostly like kids with autism and stuff. So they're very yeah. thinking and like, I have the best ideas and like no one else can like add to my plan and things like that. But just in general in life, like I've just found working with people broadens my horizon and broadens my scope of knowledge. Like I sometimes think I'm in the expert or something on something and I'll just talk to someone. I'm like, wow, that's such a cool perspective or that's such a way I didn't think about things. And it's just so nice to get other people's thoughts on different kind of concepts and just working together, um, especially just with Trisha on this podcast has helped me even learn more about communication and thinking more deeply about the concepts we talk about all the time. And it's so nice to get her perspective and even getting emails and stuff from other people, just other perspectives are amazing to have and help you feel smarter, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I had this like a similar experience because when Molly and I will decide, okay, this week we're going to do this topic, I will think a lot about what I think we'll end up talking about or my ideas for the show. And then it's always changed so much when we, when I start talking to Molly, but it's so much better because it is a more organic discussion and things just kind of naturally unfold. So basically anything that I plan on saying, I never end up saying, and I just say the things that come <laughs> up because of things that Molly brought up, but it, it really does change your perspective. So I think if anyone is concerned about working with someone else remember that we're not great at everything. And I think that's a big thing that people have to realize, myself included, is sometimes when we want to pursue a project, we think we can do it all. 
but often that makes us end up spreading ourselves too thin and you can really benefit from having someone who's good at the things that you're not necessarily as strong in. Yeah. Even like me and Trisha who are two quote unquote experts on like the same thing. We still bring this different stuff to the table. I love your conversations, how you'll say one thing and then you're like, yeah, or like this. I I just love that, that nice conversation, how it's just free flowing. And it's all always. So the thing that I love about it is so respectful of one another and so kind. Like I've become such a better listener because of the podcast, because I think you said this, Molly, in one of the episodes, you said, I'm wanting to indicate that I'm listening like so badly. I want them to know. And I was like, yeah, that was me too. And in turn was like, not fully listening and sometimes interrupting them. And so I've tried to become better at that, but goodness, it's not as easy as it is on paper. Oh, I still catch myself doing that. Like I have actually one coworker that I do it to all the time. And I feel so bad because I'm always interrupting her being like, yes, yes. And she's like, no, I was going in this direction. Like (laughs) I definitely work on. So, um, but it's so nice to hear that you're learning from um, our podcast and that like, I'm not alone in that struggle. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) I'm all over on that one. (laughs) So so what has the feedback been from your audience? For the most part, it's been pretty positive. So it's very encouraging. A lot of people just saying that these are things that they've thought about and similar to what you said, what Molly just said is I didn't realize other people struggled with this. And so it's nice just to be able to talk about things that we feel are very innate and natural, but actually take, it's worth it to take a step back and analyze. Like we think having a conversation with someone shouldn't be something we have to think so hard about, but really when you do stop and think about it, you can improve the quality of your relationships and your connection with other people just by having some, awareness of your own habits like even having our friends and family chime in and like make comments about like the things they've heard in our podcast and how they've even started thinking more about it so our immediate kind of circles have kind of taken the advice and it's been really nice Mm -hmm. so do you guys often work with singers I did sometimes (laughs) when I was in New York but it was more on wasn't really on their singing. I did work with one singer who was working on his accent. He wanted to sound, you worked with him as well, actually. He wanted to sound more American in his singing. But what I think our work would be more relevant to singers in a networking sense, given that I think breaking into the music industry, you have to be good with people. I think in any industry, actually being good with people is going to set you apart from everyone else. And so... While I haven't worked with too many singers, I think communication skills are important for anyone. And so if a singer is looking to break into the music industry, doing some of this sort of work would really set you apart from other artists. And then having like those singers, I can just imagine, again, I haven't worked with singers either, but like if you have um, musicians in your background, you have to work with too, like just kind of creating that network with other people is so huge. And I feel like, everything is based around communication. So whether it be professional, social, all of those things, I think super beneficial. Because I would, yeah, even though I don't have any experience necessarily with this, just thinking about it right now for the first time, like I would imagine that if you're an aspiring musician and you're trying to put your ideas forth and show your 
art, that is very vulnerable. And so it's important to know what your boundaries are and what you're willing to do and not do and having the ability to express what those boundaries are and to say, I'm willing to adjust my style, for example, this much, but that's my limit. Just from what I've heard about people in the music industry, I think that that would be a really important skill. And also being easy to work with, I would imagine, is something that really would increase someone's chances of being hired. Yeah, I mean, such a fear behind, like, I think a lot of people, they'll come into the studio, and some of them are so gifted, they're so talented, and they're just terrified, and they don't know themselves very well, but they're they're gifted, it's like they don't have a, any kind of path laid out for them yet, so yeah, being able to know that boundary is a huge thing, that what you just said, and also being vulnerable, I mean, even on the website for New York Vocal Coaching, or speech coaching, it said, Jerry Seinfeld said the number one fear is mm-hmm. stage fright in the United States. And the number two is death. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah I'd rather be in the casket than give it a eulogy. Yeah. And I, if you want to be a performing artist, you have to be able to speak in front of people. So that's having conversations in a casual network setting, networking setting, but it's also going on stage, I would think, and talking to all of your fans. So you have to be comfortable doing that. And singing so vulnerable, you're you're singing about your heart and soul and your heartbreaks and whatever. Um, so that's a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys have any advice, like for somebody that's super terrified or very very self conscious? Like, what's some like? Do you have any like body work or like any advice that they could maybe do at home to like maybe help them improve upon this? Like some self work maybe. Well, we go into a lot about um, self-talk in one of our episodes, and that's something me and Trisha have been working on personally and been talking about a lot. Um, So just kind of having that positive self-talk around those really, really hard experiences that you're putting Mm -hmm. yourself in, um, in those vulnerable times, like knowing that you are enough and like having and changing that self-talk that you do with yourself to build yourself up instead of breaking yourself down in those really hard, vulnerable instances. Yeah, definitely want to practice self-compassion. Another thing I would say, if you are truly terrified of talking to people or marketing yourself is work towards slowly and gradually expanding your comfort zone. So often I feel like people have a goal and they say, okay, I want to be able to speak to 50,000 people and feel comfortable. If you go try that tomorrow and that's terrifying for you, you're not you likely won't succeed. So start small, make it, okay, this week I'm going to talk to three strangers or I'm going to go to this meetup group and I'm going to leave with two people's contact info or something like that, where you give yourself a small goal and then build upon that to build yourself up. Another thing that I typically recommend when teaching public speaking is if you do have a presentation to give or something like that, really practice filming yourself, record yourself, watch it back. Mm. I'm sure singers do this with. Yes, they need to. They need to. And I I have so many singers where I'm like, you need to record your lesson. And they're like, I hate the way I sound. And I'm like, just do it. Just observe, you know, just take it in. But yeah, it's harder. harder. What I tell my clients (laughs) when they start to oppose that is think about if you're going to the gym because you want to lose weight, you're going to look in the mirror. 
right? To track your progress. Yep. It's not always pretty. You might not like what you see, but you're going to do it. So why should singing or yeah. speaking be the same thing? You have to track your progress and recording yourself is kind of the only way we have to do that. That's a great way to think of it too. Cause I think there's something about for, for any kind of artist out there or anybody that's out there in public talking, singing, what have you. I mean, there's just this constant thing where there there's the critic in their ear, as opposed to the true artist, just being able to express themselves. They're trying to put on two hats at once critiquing while they're trying to sing beautifully. And I'm like, it doesn't work mm-hmm. like that. So sometimes to, in the practice to just be like, like you said, in the mirror, observing and then go and be artistic and, and what have you. So that's super helpful. Thank you for that. Yeah. And you have your own, what like worst critic. So if you can defeat your own negative thoughts, then you'll be fine in front of anybody else. Cause you're the worst critic you have of yourself. Anyone else is going to be nothing once you beat that kind of negative talk. Yeah. And you guys said in that self-talk episode, you were like, pretend like if you can't get a hold of your friend yeah. on the phone, <laughs> pretend like they're there. What would you say to them or what would they say to you? <laughs> I love that. The other thing is to remember that we are all the protagonists of our own lives. So we're always fixated on our own performance. But at the end of the day, everyone else is also thinking about themselves. So it's not like anyone else is going home thinking, oh my gosh, Christy really bombed. They're thinking about their own performance. You know, they're not going to be thinking that, not that you would ever bomb, but I'm <laughs> saying they're going <laughs> to be thinking about themselves more than about you. And that was a big slap in the face for me once, because I used to be terrified of public speaking, absolutely horrified. And now I teach it because once I learned that, once I learned how empowering it is, it changed my whole outlook on life, my whole energy and the way that I present myself. So keep in mind that you are not the center of everyone's world. (laughs) You're the center of yours and it's okay to feel those feelings, but just to, if you are feeling badly about a performance or something that you said or did, remember that it's not as big a deal to anyone else as it is to you. So you just mentioned, okay, so you were terrified of it. Can you guys talk about like your public speaking experiences and you know what kind of inspired you to want to do this with your lives yeah so traditional speech therapy doesn't really have anything to do with public speaking but I originally got into the field of speech therapy because I wanted to work with kids and when I was in New York Mm -hmm. in grad school I also was interested in doing accent work so that's why I reached out to New York speech coaching was to get involved with the accent work As an intern there, we had to receive lessons ourselves from the instructors. And so my lessons were always about public speaking. As soon as I told the instructor there that I hated public speaking, he was like, nope, that's what we're working on. (laughs) And I hated it. And it was miserable. But until afterwards, like once I did a few lessons, and I think I only had like two or three, I was enamored with the way it made me feel and how empowered I felt afterwards. And that changed my overall level of confidence more than I think anything else I've done. And so that's when I was like, okay, I have to teach this because it changed my life. And I want to try to change as many people's lives as I can. Oh, that's so great. What about you, Molly? Yeah, so I am definitely in a different kind of aspect of the field. So I still have the fear of public speaking, um, something I'm definitely working on um, internally. So I would probably benefit from some lessons. 
I'm <laughs> talking to Trisha all the time. Um, yeah, so I got into my field more um, for working with kids and having a love about communication. And I think it just kept on building and building as I learned more about the field. And I work with kids mostly with autism or um, difficulties with their social competencies and understanding relationships and friendships and all that kind of stuff. And I think um, I'm a true believer of like, we work where we find weaknesses. So like, that's something I struggled with a little bit as a kid. Um, So that's kind of why I felt drawn to the field and working with the kids. And now having learned about all of the strategies and talking to Trisha and doing our podcast. I'm just in love with communication and breaking it down and helping others with their own. So explain what's something that you see a shift in, like with some of your clients. Um, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is like, what are the, yeah, what are the successes in, in the job from one, from point A to point B for, let's say one of the the kids that you work with, Molly? Ooh, so (laughs) I see a lot of like mini successes. My kids I work with have a long road ahead of them, but I just, Uh so I work with like kids from ages four to like, I think my oldest is 20 right now. Um, but I just love seeing when I put two kids together at the beginning of the year and they won't even acknowledge each other in the room. Like they can't even acknowledge or become aware of the fact there's another person in the room to communicate with them. And typically if all goes well by a couple months, they're kind of at least acknowledging each other and making connections and whether that be like, Mm quick eye glances or making comments to each other or finding a shared interest. Like the other day I had two kids that um, just talked to each other through me. (laughs) They like don't acknowledge each other. Um, But I had this great lesson where they realized, Oh my gosh, we both like Minecraft. That's crazy. I've been working, I've been playing with you for like four months and we never knew that. And they just chatted away about it. And it was way too long of a conversation for them, but I was like, go ahead kids. Like, enjoy this community, this connection that you have. So little things like that, I get, um, successes over and just, I love seeing the joy that the kids have when they are successful. Cause it's so hard for them. And just seeing when they do have that, it's so cool to see. That's really nice. Yeah. And I think that's, you make a really great point here because I think that we really take for granted the fact that we easily can have this conversation just like us three right now we're just easily communicating and like if we were all together I think we'd have an easy time if we were in person because we don't have those disabilities you know so we have such a great opportunity um as humans to just connect and we do take that for granted and that's a great point I mean autism I mean it can be a beautiful thing but um you know it's hard to look at people sometimes or it's hard to make you know you can't touch people sometimes and like we have that nice opportunity to experience all of that and And that's not against us there everyone has that desire to communicate that's what humans are built to do so unlocking that for them is huge oh that's so great sounds like an incredibly fulfilling job it is it's hard but it's fulfilling (laughs) and molly is great she's the most amazing therapist i've ever seen oh my gosh stop it so, okay, I have a question about just music in general, because do, do you guys like music? Do you Hate listen music. to music a lot? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 do you like music? Yes, I love listening to music. I try and listen to it whenever I have downtime. 
um, puts it yeah. in the background. So. So, okay. So like as a complete, like, I know you guys don't teach voice or, you know, but what would you say is like your favorite thing about the human voice singing? And we're not talking expert like comments, just what do you like about singers and what's some of the stuff that you find even in a live performance or just simply on your Spotify or Apple music? Just give me some stuff that you like as a listener. I love that singers are able to convey a message or tell a story in such a short amount of time, but also making it such a full body experience. I feel like both for the singer and the listener, it taps not only into the cognitive of, okay, I'm hearing these words, but it's such an emotional experience. And I, being someone who loves words and I love communication, obviously I've always been really jealous of songwriters because I can't write a song. I love writing in general, but I could not write a song. I'm just not musically gifted, but to have that ability to convey a message or tell a story in that amount of time in such an emotionally captivating way, and then have that impact potentially millions of people in like two or three minutes. That is insane to me. I think that is so powerful. And when I think about music and the impact it has on people's lives, so much of it is about the words and the lyrics. And something that is so amazing to me is how if I'm going through something subconsciously, sometimes lyrics just pop into my head. And it, I don't know if that happens to you guys where you're like thinking about something and then some song will pop in your head and that'll affect the way that you analyze your situation or problem solve. And it's crazy. Like I was talking to my little brother and he was telling me that one of his friends literally broke up with his girlfriend because he heard the line in the song that said, like what's fun about commitment? I have my life to live. And he broke up with his girlfriend because of that line. So it's just amazing to me how you get singers have the power to spread a message and affect so many people in literally five seconds. It's incredible. You've made such an amazing point. Thank you for that. Thank you. And I've been to a lot of weddings recently. Me and Trisha both have actually. <laughs> and um, just I'm thinking about like the first dances and the father or the mother, son and da- all the dances and the music that goes along with it. Like you can just feel that emotion through just that music. And it's so amazing to like have that vessel to convey so much emotion. Just like Trisha was saying, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. Um, so my last question, I guess, for you guys and anything else that you want to say, I'm so open to you. But the other question I had was, um, do you have any like stage fright exercises specifically that you think singers could do? Like, I know I've heard of some people like they stand with their arms open and their palms are out, like, you know, anything like that that you think might be helpful for stage fright? (laughs) Honestly, yeah. (laughs) And people aren't going to like this because often we get comfortable being home and just practicing at home. But I think when it comes to something like stage fright, yes, there are exercises you can do on your own, but nothing is going to be as powerful as putting yourself out there and practicing. So like we're at New York speech coaching, there's a practice group where you get the chance to go speak in front of strangers. If you live in New York, 
not trying to be sales pitchy. I'm not even there, but I'm just saying try something like that. Toastmasters is a great way. Or like I mentioned before, just gradually expanding your comfort zone. Talking to strangers in a group is still a form of public speaking, and that can help you get over that fear. But then there's a huge psychological component to it. So you also want to put things into perspective when you're on a stage in front of thousands of people. Yes, it's normal to feel nervous, but remember that feelings are temporary. So if you go in there and you think, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous, I'm going to die. You're not going to, you don't want to suppress that emotion. You want to acknowledge the fact, okay, I feel nervous. You're not nervous. You are feeling nervous. Label your feeling, label that emotion. And then remember, it's not going to last forever. It might be a miserable 30 seconds, but then once you give yourself that permission, it takes a lot of the pressure off. A mistake people often make is saying, I'm not nervous, I'm not nervous, I feel great. And when we suppress an emotion, you actually intensify that feeling. So that's just going to make it worse. Mm. And always turn back to your breathing. I'm sure as singers, you know how to belly breathe. That relaxes us. So do that too. Molly, anything that you think that could benefit some singers with you know, that stage fright, anything at all. I think, I mean, I'm taking notes from Trisha right now because I still have this stage fright, but um, I think what I can speak to more is like that psychological component and like just being kind to yourself. And I think I love what Trisha said about labeling your emotion. It's not you. You are not a nervous person. You are feeling nervous right now and it will go away. I think that's just a key thing that I live by and I always have it in my back pocket to remember um, that like you are not encapsulated and you are not this type of person by your emotion. It's just that moment and what you're feeling and that's okay. A practical thing though, Molly took improv and like, that's such a great way to put yourself out there, you know, take an improv class, take an acting class, take a public speaking class, do something that sounds terrifying and just do it because otherwise, how are you going to get better? Something that helped me in improv actually was like realizing it was an improv class with students, but I found out, like, I just kind of thought in my brain all the time, like, these are also students. We're all learning. So maybe find a connection to yourself with your audience or the people watching you. I think that might kind of take the um, scariness and make it a little bit less vulnerable for you. Mm -hmm. That's great. There's even like, um, there's singing troops, like singing improv troops in New York City here. I have a couple of students that have come in and they're like, I'm supposed to sing in this improv thing. They're like, but I don't know how to sing. And I'm like, awesome. Let's do it. So I think that's super cool. No, I did have another question that I just remembered. So on your episode 11, you're offering opinions and advice episodes. So I am part of a a couple of groups on Facebook. um, And I see it's voice teachers, professional voice teachers out there. And there's a lot of singers that are in those groups as well. And some of the opinions and the advice that other voice teachers give um, are sometimes incredibly negative. And I don't think that they realize just how impactful their words are. And I can only imagine the things that they say to students. And I just think, I don't know, if you have any advice or ways that (laughs) For a voice teacher, if there's any voice teachers listening to this podcast, uh, my goal with this whole, the the happy singer is for people to be more positive. Um, do you guys have any advice for people if they need to adjust the way they say their opinions or their advice or 
I always like the sandwich model, just kind of sandwiching your advice and opinions. Um, if you are in a, so first of all, going even back to that, like make sure you're in an environment where you should be giving advice. And I guess if you're a voice teacher, you are, but um, make sure that that person and you're both in agreement that advice is needed. So, um, and warranted and desired. So make sure they're in a space that your student is wanting advice. Um, and when then they are, make sure that the advice is still constructive um, and like building up to their, um, making sure that's still building them up in some way. So the sandwich model that Molly was, that mentioned is, correct me if I'm wrong, Molly, but you start with something positive. So say, I love this and this and this about what you just did. Then you can give the constructive feedback. Let's tweak X, Y, Z. Let's try it this way. And then you end with something positive too. So it's sandwiched between, the criticism is sandwiched between two positive things. And then... Yeah, that's exactly what I meant for sure. Yeah. So my advice would say, would be use that, but also be careful in your delivery if you're saying like that was awful, that's not constructive. So you want to be productive for the person and just putting them down is not going to help them. So be as specific as you can. I know my clients get really frustrated if I give vague feedback, you know, they want to know exactly what mm. can I do to fix this. And if you're a teacher, that is literally your job is to say, okay, that was flat. Let's try that again. But you want to do so in an encouraging way way you can say you we're almost there I'm just not super satisfied with that one note let's try it again you got this because thinking about like building that person's trust that your student you're creating a relationship and a and it's full of trust that you're trusting this person to give you advice and lessons so like you want to keep that trust upheld um and making sure it is positive that they want to receive advice and mm -hmm. opinions from mm -hmm. you it's just such an important thing because I'll have, and I'm sure you've seen this with some of your clients before, but like I'll have a, somebody come in and they were like, my voice teacher said this one little thing and they haven't sang for like three years because one phrase prevented them from continuing, um, which is incredibly sad. It's like, so I think that it's just important to know that these are people that come from a great place. They want to learn something. How amazing is that? And then we have to celebrate that and find as many good things as possible. I mean, I've had some students where they're like, they're like, okay, yeah, thank you for saying that. But, but really like, no, I'm making sure, you know, that genuinely was good. Now. Yeah. Here mm -hmm. are some of the things <laughs> I think I need to work on. I'm almost too positive, but of course I give them the critiques. I just have is that a little that cat? Is my cat. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, cat. But yeah, it's like I, I just I want people to know that they do mm -hmm. belong in that space and that everybody has a voice and they mm -hmm. should use it. And you know, you're this unique creature. You know, there's only going to be one of you ever. And if we don't share it, it's you know that's a disservice to the world. You could do so much good. So. I Two thoughts on what yeah. you just said. The first being remember what you had mentioned before about people being scarred by one comment made five years prior. Remember that words can cut like a knife. Words have can have such an impact, such a lasting impact. And unfortunately, the way that our brains are wired, we tend to remember the negative things sometimes more than the positive. So it's like the actor who has 500 great reviews, they'll remember the one 
bad review. So if you're a teacher, it is your responsibility to help people and guide them. And yes, of course, you want to give the negative feedback, but don't do it in a way that's going to literally scar someone from pursuing their dream. And the other thing that you mentioned was that's your gift. I feel like singers, if you have that talent, it is literally your responsibility to use that and give that gift to the world. You have the power to spread a message, whatever message you want that to be literally to the world. And so it is your responsibility. It is your duty to work past these things in yourself and use that talent, that talent that you were given, that talent that you're working on and spread that joy to people because not everyone is blessed with that. And so really take advantage of it and celebrate the gift that you do have. Oh, thank you. That's amazing. (laughs) Thank you for existing because we're not all like that. Yeah, I'm definitely (laughs) in awe by all singers. I have no tone at all. So I love, yeah, everything you guys Mm -hmm. do. (laughs) I bet a couple of lessons we could get you going. (laughs) Yeah, guys, seriously, thank you so much for doing this. Everybody check out their podcast, The Lost Art of Communication. It's life-changing. All of the stuff that they say is applicable for singers, any artist. It's so important. Remember that you're not alone. Remember that community is the best way to remember that like, okay, we can do this. Um, and their podcast has really helped me as a teacher. It's helped me as a singer. Um, it's helped me as a girlfriend. It's helped me as, um, a friend. It's helped me as, um, you know, just in general as a human being. So guys, thank you so My much for what you do. right now. Thank you for saying all those things. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and thank you for having guys. Us. So what'd you guys think? That's Molly and Tresha from the Lost Art of Communication podcast. They're both great ladies, and they are SLPs. They are working at different locations. Like it said, Molly's on the other side of the country, and Trisha's in Georgia. Um, But they managed to have this great podcast where they help so many people. They definitely help me. Um, And I hope you'll take a listen to their podcast because... um, we as singers really need to remember that communication is important after you step away from the microphone, after you step off of the stage. We need to remember that we need to, you know, have connections and we need to remind ourselves that we do need each other. This isn't um, a one-woman show, one-man show. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Um, that was, Again, that was my first interview that I did. So my voice is like, guys. I mean, it is all the time, but um, yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> so I will see you guys next week. Go ahead to the discussion page. Email me. Let's get a conversation going about this. Tell me your struggles. Tell me some successes that you've had with communication. Tell me some stuff that uh, helped you from listening to the podcast. All right, guys, have an awesome day. I'll see you later, and happy singing. Bye.